Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Amen. Man, I, I appreciate what Matt said. I, I love that line. He said, man, this is the story. Like right now, it's the story, but someday it's just going to be a story. And the question is going to be is what kind of stories are we going to tell when this is done? And I love the fact that Matt gets up here and he shares, and he shares some stories that all of you are doing, that we're getting to be able to do together and to serve our community. And I, I just appreciate so much what all of you are doing, even in the midst where we're isolated, where we're not able to gather, there is still things happening with God's church. It's not slowing God's church down. God's church, if anything, is actually speeding up. Last week, we had, we had, over six, we had right at 6,000 people that gathered online with us. We usually have about 2,500 people that walk into our buildings. But we had that opportunity, that kind of story, just to share the gospel with that many people. I appreciate Matt and his counterpart, Amanda. Matt's the campus pastor at Frederick Campus, and she's a campus pastor at our Niwak campus, and I appreciate so much what our staff has been doing. They've just been working extra and hard and coming up with new and creative ideas. I would encourage you with this. I would encourage you this week, if you're a part of our Rocky family, if you just send them an email, send somebody on staff that you're close to an email just to say thank you for what you're doing to help us get through this situation. I I'm so proud of him. I, you know, you saw if you joined us earlier in the service, uh, Ron Leach was up here, our operations pastor. And Ron has been working overtime like crazy uh, on the financial end and on the, the operations end to keep us going and keep things happening. And I would encourage you, if you send Ron an email today, if you were on earlier in the service with us, uh, Ron had a little fun at my expense, talked about my bald head and that. And so I've got the microphone now. So I'd encourage you to send Ron a different kind of note and thank him for his time here on staff and tell him you'll miss him and, uh, and maybe give me a few thoughts about how to get him back. But anyways, I, I would say this, Ron and our team are doing an incredible job and I, I would encourage you to encourage them. And I also just appreciate that we can get up here this morning and we can actually have a little bit of fun in, in the midst of a crisis where I think there are probably more questions than there actually are answers at this moment. You go through the week, and if you're watching the news, there's tons of questions, right? They keep talking about when are we going to get the economy going, and when are we going to get back to work? And many of you who own businesses are asking that question. Many of you who have been laid off are saying, when are things going to get back, and am I going to be able to find a job? There are so many questions that we have right now. I've been asked a lot of questions as a pastor, and why? Why is God allowing this? Why is God doing this? Doesn't he see what's going on? And medical workers that are saying, man, I see what's going on in hospitals and we're being overrun by patients and why is this happening? That question has been interesting to me. It's kind of just come up over and over. What is God doing in the midst of this? And I, I would simply say this, I, I can't give you everything that God is doing, but I can give you one thing. I think what God is doing in this moment, it is a wake-up call for his people. Like, we can agree on that. Now, some of you would take it further, and you would say some things, and that, man, is this God's punishment, all that? No, no, no. I don't believe that God causes things to happen, but God does sometimes allow difficult things to happen in our life simply to draw us back. Now, that's a controversial thought. That's a philosophical issue. That's a deep theological issue that we can't go through and explain in the time we have today. And we don't need anything on the chat or anything about it. But what we can agree, I think what we can agree in this moment, I don't think there's anyone that disagrees with this fact, that God, just like a good parent, I have four kids. And any time my kids undergo difficulty in life, as parents, what my wife and I do is we simply use those opportunities to redirect them toward 
God's best and toward our dreams and hopes for them. And I guarantee you in this moment that God is using this opportunity as a simple wake-up call for every single one of us. And I I would encourage you with this, that if this is God's wake-up call, then you and I ought to pick up the phone and listen. Like we should listen to what God is actually saying to us. And the question is for you is, what is the wake-up call? There's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, that I think gives us a little perspective, especially verse 6. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says this. It's Peter writing. It's one of Jesus' closest disciples. Like he was there through all the difficulty, the hardship, the crucifixion, the resurrection, through the difficulty of the church. He's a guy that Jesus put in charge of his church for the future leadership. And here's what he says to a church. He's writing a letter to a church that is undergoing incredible persecution and incredible hardship and deep, deep poverty. We think this is bad. We have no idea what this church was going through. And Peter writes this and he says, humble yourselves. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, keep that portion in mind. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That idea of God's mighty hand, it kind of struck me. I did some research on that. It's interesting in the Greek language, which the New Testament was written in. The Greek language actually refers, it's in the context of what Peter is writing. And in the, the actual words used, it's referring back to two ideas from the Old Testament. Two ideas from Israel's history. And it's simply this. Number one idea is that God doesn't cause things to happen, but he does allow it. He does allow difficulty to happen. Think of this illustration, the best illustration in the Old Testament. It's the Exodus. We all know the story, whether you know your Bible well or not. We know the story of Moses. Moses and God's people, God's people go to Egypt, and and we see that God's people spend 400 years in poverty and and in slavery. Now, did God cause that? No, Pharaoh did. Pharaoh caused that and put God's people in. But what God allowed is for some time to elapse for God's people to be reminded of of God because it actually said in that moment, In those years, they had totally forgotten about God. God does allow difficult things as wake-up calls for his people. But the other side of those words actually refer back to the idea of deliverance. That when God's people respond, when they do listen to the wake-up call, when they do revert back to him and they call out to him, which the people did after 400 years in slavery, it says that God's people cried out and said, God, help us rescue us, be our deliverer. And what does God do? Immediately he calls Moses out of the desert and he sends the 10 plagues and he delivers his people out of Egypt. Here's the thing that we need to understand, that God simply says this, humble yourself under my mighty hand. I may allow it, but it is for your good because I am a good father that wants for your best And I will do anything to redirect you. I love you too much to leave you where you are. And there are some of you that have been where you are away from God for a long time, way too long. And God's simply calling out to you and he's saying, humble yourselves before me. Cry out to me and I will lift you up in due time. God never rescues people who aren't ready. And so the question in this moment might be, is what kind of wake up call do you need in your life and are you ready to receive it? 
There's been some incredible stories that have happened. We, the first week, we simply had a, a person, we, we did six baptisms. It happened on Saturday. We had them come in. We acknowledged all the social distancing stuff, and, and uh, people came in, and we did have a, a staff member that got in one at a time with those people and baptized them. And on the live chat, right there, somebody heard a wake-up call, and they said, I need to do that. A good friend of mine got a call from an adult child that simply said, would you pray with me? Can we get on the phone? I haven't prayed in a while. Would you, would you pray with me? And not only that, I, I think I need to get my life right with God and I need to get my family back and I think I need to get rebaptized and reaffirm that commitment with God. And I just want to ask you today, what, what is the wake-up call for you? And how do you need to respond? And it might simply be, as Matt talked about it, Easter is next week. And, and if you want to talk about how you receive Jesus Christ, your Savior, we're going to hit that next week. And it might be for the first time that you've tuned into us and you're saying, I, I need that next week. We're going to talk about that. Some of you, you're isolated. <laughs> and you've been isolated for a long time. And this isolation with this pandemic has made it so much more difficult for you. And you're like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I'd encourage you that that's why we value community around this place and we simply talked last week and we've been talking all this week and I would reiterate it to you again that you need community and you don't have to because of social distancing. You don't have to miss out on community. We sent out things this week. We talked last week about it simply that, that we're starting new groups right now. And if you want to get in a group, I'll show you a picture right now of some of our groups that are just meeting on Zoom calls. And we got 16 group leaders right now that are saying, I'm, I'm in, I, I want to lead a group and would you just give me people and they're waiting for you to go to rocky.church slash groups right now and sign up for a group. I, I'd encourage you, if you felt isolated, take the opportunity for a four to five week temporary opportunity to simply get in a group. How do you need to humble yourself and realize that God may be allowing this right now so that I, I can find his best. He loves me too much to leave me where I am so how do I respond so he can lift me up in due time. You know, there's a passage that Peter wrote that passage, but there is a story because I think one of the big, big issues with questions is we all look at the questions we have and we want clarity on them. And right now is a season where there's a whole lot of questions, but there's not a lot of clarity. And clarity is difficult to find right now. The answers just aren't coming because the future is so incredibly unsure. And there's a story that Peter experiences with Jesus that just exemplifies that, a whole lot of questions in the moment of a huge storm and zero clarity, yet in that, clear, in that storm, Jesus provides through trust, Jesus provides something for Peter and the other disciples that I think in this storm we have to understand. Mark chapter four, interesting. Mark was a follower of Jesus, but he wasn't a disciple. He wasn't one of the 12. He actually was there for the crucifixion and for the trial. And there's even a moment in the garden where they came to arrest Jesus where Mark as a young man is standing there off to the side and they see him and they run after him and a Roman soldier grabs the back of his coat and he just left his, leaves his coat and he runs off. They're trying to capture him. He was there. He's a good friend of Peter. And later on in life, Mark actually sits down and he asks Peter, he just interviews Peter and he says, Peter, I wanna write an eyewitness account of the story of Jesus and you're the guy that was there. Would you tell me the story so I can write it down? And Mark penned his gospel, which was really probably the gospel that Peter shared, which makes this story all the more amazing from the perspective of a storm and a fisherman. And here's what happens in Mark chapter four, starting in 
verse 35, it says this. As the evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, he'd been teaching. There's some great teaching that Jesus had done. And he says to his disciples, I'm tired of the crowd. Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind. You go on down in verse 37, 38, it says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking onto the boat and it began to fill with water and Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, you can see this. Think of the perspective. Mark's writing, he's like, Peter, what was it like? Peter's like, look, here's the deal, Mark. I'm a fisherman. Like I'm, I manage storms like this all the time. Basically where the Sea of Galilee was sitting, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest, actually the lowest body of water on the earth. It's like 600 and some feet below sea level. And there are cliffs that go down to the sea. And so the natural wind patterns that come out off the cliffs and then go across the coolness of the water, they create these incredible storms that come immediately, unexpectedly, and they are ferocious. The fierce winds, it says. Fierce storm. It's like the idea of a hurricane. And so Peter's telling Mark, he's like, Mark, I'm a fisherman. Like this was like nothing I've ever seen. This is, you want to talk about the biggest hurricane winds you've ever seen. This is what I experienced. We were absolutely scared to death. And what do we do? We turn around and what's Jesus doing? He's asleep. He's in the back of the boat next to the rudder. Like the place where we go back and steer. He's in the back of the boat where, where the steering wheel is. And he is asleep on a cushion. And you can imagine Peter and the other guys, they immediately, as soon as the storm comes, they're putting down the sail, they're batting down the hatches, they're getting everything ready. It says water was coming over the side, they are bailing. You can imagine the scene, and all of a sudden, somebody's like, where is Jesus? <laughs> and they turn around, and he's asleep. It makes, reminded me yesterday, I was listening, I'm a country music fan, I'll have to admit, and Carrie Underwood's song came on, Jesus Take the Wheel. I know it's a cheesy song, but I'm sure the disciples looked back in the moment, were like, Jesus, take the wheel. And they're like, Jesus is asleep at the wheel. And I think there are moments right now. There are moments right now in this storm and in this crisis where we're looking at Jesus, we're looking at the heavens, we're looking at God at the ceiling, we're praying. And we're like, dude, what are you doing? Are you asleep at the wheel? I mean, there are hospitals being overrun. If you're a medical worker out there right now and you're struggling, we want to say thank you. But I realize right now, you're saying we're struggling. There are people who are losing jobs. There are people who are shutting the doors of their business and not knowing if this government thing's going to come through and hold them through over the next two and a half months. How long is this going to last? And we're all sitting there without clarity of the future. And we're going, God, would you just take the wheel for this thing? Like, what are you doing? Do you care? Are you showing up? Are you doing anything? And I think we ask the question, is Jesus asleep at the wheel? And I would give you a different perspective. As I study through this passage, I don't think Jesus was sleeping as much as he was resting. You see, maybe Jesus was resting because he understood something the disciples didn't know. And in the midst of the storm, what do the disciples do? They run to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, don't you care if we drowned? And Jesus is sitting there saying, hey, hold up. This is a part of the curriculum. This is a part of me resting just a little bit to teach you and to allow you to see something that you're not seeing right now. To understand, number one, that God is actually bigger than this storm. And number two, that right now I'm actually trying to teach you something in the midst of the storm. I heard somebody say this earlier this week about this passage. Just that line that 
this was part of Jesus' curriculum. He was resting because these were men that he had bigger plans for, that he had greater things for. This in the moment for them, this was the story. It was the storm of all storms. But he's like, guys, you don't understand that resting in this storm, for you to see that I am bigger than this storm is gonna help you in far bigger storms in the future than this. And I think he says that to us today. He simply says, I am resting. And this is a wake-up call for you that I'm calling you back to teach you something that I am bigger than this storm. You see, I think one of the things that Jesus is getting ready to teach us in the lack of clarity is simply the idea that your future doesn't determine, isn't determined by the size of your storm. The future is determined by the power of your God. And I've been reminded of that over and over this week. The future is not determined or decided by the the size of this storm. It is determined and decided by the power of our God. And Jesus is getting ready to calm a storm and teach the disciples in this moment that you can have peace in the midst of the storm. And I just want to remind you for a second and just take a moment and I want you to get in your mind what your storm is. We know the big overall storm, COVID-19, the coronavirus, the pandemic. It's caused panic across the world, right? People are scurrying around. They're battening down the hatches. They're pulling down the stales. We're doing the whole thing. It's, It's the same kind of story. But what's your story? Is it finances right now? I've had a few people that have reached out to us this week who have actually lost family members, not to the virus, but just to old age or to something else this week. And my heart has just broke for those people because I'm, I'm looking at those people and it's, it's like the situation where you're looking at, you're saying, you can't even grieve how you would want to grieve. And it's difficult. That's the storm for somebody. What is your storm? Finances, jobs, relationships confined in in a marriage that you're already struggling in. What's your storm? And I want to remind you that you can still, in the midst of this storm, you can have peace in the midst of this storm. It is possible. Uh, It is possible to have peace even if you get sick. It is possible to have peace even if you lose your job. It is possible to have peace even if that check from the government takes forever to get here. It is possible to have peace. Even if you're stuck at home and you're in a marriage, there is an opportunity for you to fix some things. This might be the wake-up call you need that God is saying, lean into this, don't run away from it. It's possible for you to have peace if you're on unemployment. It's possible for you to have peace if you don't know where your pay- next paycheck's coming from. It's possible to have peace if you don't know if you're going to be able to really to open your business again. It is possible to have peace whether you live or whether you die or whether your future's what you dreamed. It is possible. In a world with lack of clarity right now, I'm telling you, you turn on the news and they're saying it's all over. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And the disciples ran to the back of the boat and said, Jesus, What do you care if we die? Like it's all over right now. And I say this, friend, it is not over until God says it's over. God is not asleep at the wheel. God is simply resting and calling you back to him. And the passage goes on and it's amazing how Jesus wakes up and addresses this issue and says, look, your future, Peter, your future is not determined by the size of this storm. It is by the power of our God, your God. And he says this, says when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves. This is Jesus like wake up on the wrong side of the bed moment. 
Like, I love this. This is awesome. He, he gets up, and I can see him walking to the front of the boat, right past all the disciples, and he says, silence, be still. And suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then Jesus asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The words right there in English would actually be, shut up, <laughs> be still. Knock it off. Calm down. This is Jesus standing up and saying, guys, for the sake of their faith, Jesus allows them to go through a bit of this storm. And then he taught them something that I'm sure Peter looked back on years later and said, guys, he said, Mark, when, when you're writing this, you just need to understand that I was in that boat. And I saw some, Jesus do something I never imagined he could have power to do. And then I stood outside Lazarus's tomb. And I saw Jesus do something like I've never seen before. And then I stood inside a tomb that was Jesus' tomb after he had been crucified. And I ran with my tail between my legs and I was scared to death. And, and then all of a sudden Mary comes and she tells us, and John and I ran to that tomb. And we show up and his clothes, his grave clothes, we're talking grave clothes, were laying there folded. And then I stood in a room where something happened that I never thought would happen. And I saw Jesus. And I saw Thomas stick his fingers in his hands and his hand in his side. And Jesus say, peace be with you. And in this moment, Jesus stands up in the midst of the storm and just reminds everyone that he is bigger than this storm. And he says, peace be still. He says, peace be still. And there is simply the reminder that there was a great calm with Jesus, the actual idea of be still is the idea of a muzzle. <laughs> you think of an animal, you think of a pit bull, you think of the most ferocious dog that you could imagine. It's the idea of muzzling that dog and that dog becomes pretty helpless, can't do much to you when it is muzzled. And it's simply the idea that Jesus has the power to muzzle even the greatest of storms. In the midst of your storm right now, when you don't know where finances are coming from, in the midst of your storm right now where you are scared to death of health, some of you, and, and contracting this, and you don't want to go out, and you don't want to go to the grocery store, Jesus simply says, peace, be still. In the midst of fights at home because you're confined with each other, Jesus reminds you, you can have peace, and he says, hey, peace, be still. In the midst of you wondering about your job and your businesses and all of those different things and, and you look at your retirement account and it is just tanking and your investments and you're wondering, am I going to have enough time for this to recover? Jesus simply says, peace, be still. I've got it and I've muzzled the storm. It's been interesting this week. I, I've had numerous opportunities for anxiety to creep up in my life. There are three that I can specifically think of where the storm on the inside was actually in my life felt a little bigger than the storm on the outside. There were some things around here that I was worried about, some church leadership. There was a couple things at home. There were some things, other things at just three different times. And every single time, I felt like God gave me a portion to wait and be reminded. And every time that I returned to him and sat down in prayer, I can see myself sitting next to my fireplace on Thursday morning where I sat down and I had a moment of prayer. And I felt like God just said, it's going to be okay. And he gave me three different things that day to say, I am bigger than the storm. See, I think sometimes right now for us, when we seek clarity, God is saying, you don't need clarity right now. What you need is trust. What you need is trust. 
There's a great story about Mother Teresa, and there was a guy named John Cavanaugh who spent three months with her in, in her missions that she had there in Calcutta, dealing with some of the worst of the worst, of sickness and pandemics and all the things that you can imagine, seeing people die all over the place. And, and in one of his later times with her in those three months, he, he went to Mother Teresa, and she said, John, what can I do for you? And he said, you could just pray for me. I'm exhausted. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do in this situation. And she said, John, what do you want me to pray for? And he said, Mother Teresa, could you just pray for clarity for me? And sternly, quickly, immediately, she responded and says, John, I will not pray for that. No, John, I'm not going to pray for that. And he looked at her and he said, but Mother Teresa, why not? And she said, because clarity is the last thing you're holding on to that you need to let go of. I will not pray for clarity. I will pray for trust. John looked at her and he was amazed and he said, Mother Teresa, I long for the clarity that you have. And she responded, she said, John, I have never had clarity. The only thing I have had is trust. And I'll pray for that for you. I think when the storm on the inside is bigger than the storm on the outside and we are crying out to God, he is reminding us that it is not the size of your storm that's gonna determine your future. It's the size of your God. It is the power of your God. And my encouragement to you simply today is that this is a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. And what do you do in the midst of the wake-up call when you don't know what to do? If you go back to where we started, Peter's talking about this storm, and he's writing in 1 Peter, and he's saying, those verses 6 and 7, I take you back to where we started, and here is the antidote for the storm that is bigger on the inside. He says, humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And here's what he says. He says, in this period of lack of clarity, you distrust, and he puts it this way, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You think of the storm, and Peter saw something amazing. And Peter writes after this, and he says, you gotta understand, you can cast all your anxiety and all the weight of the lack of clarity on God. And he actually uses a term there as a fishing term. It's the word cast. Now, that's pretty obvious. I think of casting, I used to go fishing with my dad and my grandfather when I was younger. And we'd fish back in the Midwest for bass and crappie. And I remember I'd get my little Zebco reel, be like, you're out here in Colorado, you love fishing. It's probably fly fishing. You take that, that fly and you just put that line out there and you cast. This is a whole different idea. This is Middle Eastern fishing. You imagine John standing on one boat, Peter standing on another, them having this massive, huge, heavy weight of a net that is stretched out between two boats, and they say, one, two, and then with all their might, they heave that net out into the water. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, in this moment of lack of clarity, you don't need clarity, you need trust. And the only thing you need to do in this moment is to heave to throw, to cast your fears upon God. I've said it so many times over the last year, but I'm gonna say it again. Did you know that in scripture, there are 300, get this, 365 instances, one for every single day of the year where God says or Jesus says or somebody teaches and says, fear not, don't be afraid. One for every single day of the year. And we're sitting there every single day going, I don't know. And God's saying, I've got something for you every single day of the year that says, don't be afraid because you know who I am. Because you can dwell in the promises of God. That I am the same yesterday, 
that I am the same today and I am the same tomorrow. I am the God who calmed the storm. Then I'm the God who's in the middle resting in this storm and wants you to rest in me. And I am the God who will get you on the other side of this when this is just a story, not just the story. He says, I'm the God who says, fear not, because I'll always be with you. I'm the God who says, fear not, because I will not forsake you. I'm the God who says, fear not, because I will protect you, because I will redeem you. I will give you the dreams of your heart, because I will be with you no matter what and will not forsake you. It goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. And in this moment, if you are struggling to find clarity, I would encourage you to hear God's wake-up call and just give him your trust. To cast whatever anxiety it is that you have upon him and let him be there for you. Matt was right. One day this is gonna be a story. And at the end of that passage, Jesus stands in that boat and the storm's done, it's over. And he looks at Peter and he looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you not have any faith? A few years from now, we're gonna look back on this and it's gonna be a story. And we're gonna have so many more stories of how God got us through this and what he did in our life and how he changed us and how most of us, for some of us, hopefully that we listened to the wake up call and we came back. But the idea is simply now to not waste the moment Husbands, don't let your anxiety steal the moments you can have with your wife, the moments you can have with your kids. Those of you who've been away from God, don't let the anxiety of an unknown tomorrow steal the joy that you could have in Jesus and the trust you could have in Jesus today. Man, I would invite you, if you need a relationship with Jesus, you show up next week. You invite as many people as you can next week to come to our Easter services online because we are gonna lay out exactly how you give over your anxiety to Jesus and you receive his spirit that can set you securely for life and for eternity. If you need to reach out to somebody or join a group or whatever, don't miss the opportunity because when it's not the story anymore, you'll forget about the wake-up call. And you might miss out on something that could transform your life forever. You see, this storm right now will not define your future. The power of your God and how you lean into him will define your future. Listen to the wake-up call. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're simply, I'm going to share a couple things real quick just as we head into this week and things to be thinking about for next week. But let me pray right now that your storm on the inside would be calmed so that you can deal with the storm on the outside. Let's pray. Father God, we just simply release all of our fears to you right now. And I pray on behalf of every single person watching, whether they are near or they are far, whether this is the first time with us or they've been with us many times, Father, I pray that they would focus in on your presence right now. The church hasn't, doesn't need to be physically gathered. You don't even have to be in the side of the church to have God's spirit with us. He says, where two or more are gathered, he is with us. Father, help every single person to know that as we gather collectively today, even through technology, your spirit is with us and you can calm the fears we have on the inside of us. Father, we do pray that you would calm this storm, that you would say, be still with this virus. I pray that you would be with the medical workers that are dealing with the anxiety of working closely around this virus. Father, I pray that you would be still their hearts in this moment.
Father, I pray for every single one of us who are looking at financial issues, business issues, whatever it might be, that we would focus in right now that this might be something we could still rest in if we know that you're bigger than the storm. God, we're thankful for you. And we love what you do in our life. Teach us in this moment and help us to return to you. It is in Jesus' precious and powerful name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.